bringing you all of the local motocross racing from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. The Imperative MX Podcast. Here's another episode. And we're back and ready to rip here on the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number 24. And man, we're glad to be back for another week and another episode. We are bringing you all of the local motocross action from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. Thank you so much for joining us this week on yet another episode. I am your host, Zach Newberry, and we would like to thank everyone who has been enjoying these first couple of episodes already and the great positive feedback from these, from you guys, the listeners, has been phenomenal. If you have not yet checked out any of the past episodes, do yourselves a favor and check them out after this one, which is now available everywhere. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, Pandora, Listen Notes, and many more to choose from to listen to past episodes with awesome guests. It is fantastic to see the support from the local community and even outside the local community support in the sport of motocross. We are part of an awesome sport, and I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for tuning in to this week's episode here on the Imperative MX Podcast for yet another episode with great guests. And with that, we have a lot to talk about when it comes to local racing all the way to professional and, of course, everything in between. With that, there are a good amount of talking points to chat about in this episode. First, we will get into some local motocross racing chat with upcoming races this weekend, along with my announcing at Windy Hill. Then we will have call-in from HEP Motorsports Suzuki rider Shane McArath to talk about his season, switching to the RMZ 450 for the year, uh, World Supercross Championship coming up soon, uh, Muddy Creek, of course, we all know he's dominant at that track, so we got to talk about that, and of course, much more. We will also have a call-in from Joseph Krimko, mechanic, on that Partzilla Team PRMX 4 Cade Clayson about his season with Cade, his mechanicing background, and the true grind throughout the year in the industry, and much more coming from Joe and Shane here in this episode. And finally, there at the end, we will break down the 2023 Monster Energy AMA Supercross Championship that wrapped up this past Saturday night in Salt Lake City. Make sure to check us out by searching Imperative MX on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and our popular TikTok channel if you have not already done so. And again, thank you guys so much for supporting us on all of the social media platforms and just us in general as we continue to grow. Before we go any further, we have to say thank you to all of the sponsors on board here of the Imperative MX Podcast. West Virginia Motorsports, FXR, Silver Valley MX Park, Hydropower, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, Mika Metals, Total Control Racing Suspension, and our brand new sponsor on board, PR Motorsports. We will get more into each of these awesome companies beyond us here in just a bit. And guys, don't forget to check out ImperativeMX.com when you get a chance. A ton of new things are going up live here soon and uh, much more. All of the sponsor logos are at the top of the banner. Make sure you click on those logos and it will bring direct you directly to 
the company's website, purchase those products directly from the link, and uh, it's quick and easy for you guys. Support the ones that support the sport, like these companies helping us out with this podcast to bring you these weekly episodes, helping me break down all of the talking points for tonight's podcast, the highly likable, knowledgeable, and, of course, your District 29 2011 C-Class champion hold up the number one heavyweight title, Heavy D. What's going on, Heavy? What's up, good? What are you doing, man? I'm not gonna lie, man. I am. I've had a day. I am. I'm. I'm tired. I am not gonna lie. If you can't tell from my intro, I'm not gonna lie. Today is a uh, tiring day for myself. But you know what? We're here to talk about dirt bikes, and I know uh, you're excited and you're pumped as well. Oh yeah, you know we get to talk about dirt bikes. We get woke quick. So, I mean, you may be a little sleepy because uh, you know my guy been grinding, but. When we get into the, this action uh, on tonight's episode, you'll quickly come back to life. Oh, absolutely. I mean, with Shane, McArath, and, of course, Joe Krimko. I mean, dude, this is going to be absolutely phenomenal, and uh, I can't wait to get into it and uh, much more. But before we do, West Virginia Motorsports, if you are looking for your next ride, look no further than my friends over at West Virginia Motorsports. If you are around the surrounding area and looking for a brand new or pre-owned motorcycle, dirt bike, UTV, ATV, whatever it is, make sure to stop by Princeton, West Virginia and their brand new location in Withville, Virginia as well. Don't forget to order your parts for your current bike through West Virginia Motorsports or alongside walking out the door with that brand new ride. Don't forget to get those oil filters and air filters on the way out. And of course, don't catch them on fire, Heavy D. No, no, no! Don't you don't want to do that? We uh, we went about a uh, fifteen years solid without setting the air filters on fire. Let me rephrase that. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Thirteen years, thirteen years solid. A little longer than that. Fourteen years, almost fifteen. There we go. Fourteen years, almost fifteen. We went fourteen years without setting on any on fire, and uh, don't do that. You uh, pops or moms, parents, they won't be too happy with you. No, no, they will absolutely. Uh, be not excited like not so do not do that um speaking of uh just being local and catching air filters on fire let's get into some local motocross racing uh heavy d i know of course windy hill is going to be having their race round number eight of the ncmx series this weekend in lrb north carolina and i will be announcing there uh it should be a great time i have not rode windy hill since probably 2013 so it's been quite a while for me heavy d oh dude wendy wendy hill's been looking sick here lately too man like ever since you know uh chasey champion uh he's uh bought it from mr joe over there and he's taking it over they were doing awesome stuff with it you know and uh he's uh he always has it deep nice rough and rutted, and tracks always prime dude so I've been seeing some videos, and man, it's been making me want to kind of, kind of go shred a little bit myself. I'm not gonna lie; you've been sending me some things saying that you want to get a bike here soon. Are, are we hearing rumors, or is this just speculation, or what, what's happening here? Dude, I don't know, man. It's like, I really want to. I really want to. You know, we uh, but you know, I got got the family, so we got to get a house and stuff. Which we have a house right now, but you know, we gotta, you know move eventually and uh so 
I'm trying to make sure all that stuff stuff set. You know, I I want to ride, but you know, I gotta finish getting my cameras for the outdoor outdoors. You know, we going to outdoors, so yeah, yeah. It's 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 little stepping stones uh, to get to that point, but HD will have a bike. He he he's gonna he's gonna come back and throw some laps down. So he he he'll get back to doing some riding. We ain't racing, but we'll ride a little bit. Absolutely, man. And uh, I can't wait till the day that you go out and ride because I'm definitely gonna be there. And I'm sure a bunch of uh, I'm sh- sure a bunch of the Imperative MX podcast listeners will be there as well because they're gonna hear the hype and they're gonna know. Uh, how much of a uh, good time that's going to be seeing you on the bike after how many years, Heavy D? God, it'll be 20, last year. It was 2011. A little bit, so 12 years. Wow, 12 years, man. Like, I guess me as a dirt bike racer and just a, I guess just a competitor, right, and just a rider in general, just of dirt bikes. Like, how do you not want to? just go and rip one every now and again oh dude trust me it's like i guess i have i guess you could say i have stuff that kind of satisfies me to where i don't really have get the urge so bad which don't get me wrong i still get the urge but like i've always had the urge through the years yeah um but i guess you know being around track building tracks a lot and uh being involved has helped you know more than anything but also like over the years like when i like got to that point where i just didn't really care to do it anymore right like be out there riding Mm -hmm. and then i guess that time gap from there to when i actually rode like just mess around on a bike and seeing how much faster bikes have gotten has kind of like hindered it a little bit too so i hear you on that yeah my but Go ahead. When you see tracks like Windy Hill and stuff, oh, dude, I trust me, that urge comes hard. I can only imagine just seeing, just seeing some of the tracks and just knowing that it would be such a good time. Just seeing clips of somebody else riding it, or you know, whatever, right? Like, it would just be so much fun. And I guess that that's why I can't get away. I always got to go and twist and rip at some point. Oh yeah. So you you you, you gonna. You're going to rip a little bit at the Windy Thrills, right? I think on Saturday. I believe Saturday. Yeah. I believe Saturday, uh, which, you know, this will be live tomorrow, Friday. Um, so it'll be really tomorrow for the listeners. But for me, it will be on Saturday. So, um, yeah, no, it should be it should be a lot of fun. Um, other than the Windy Hill race this weekend and East Bend, uh, does Kathy's Creek or any of those tracks down there have any races, Heavy D, or any other races just in general that you've seen locally? Um, no. Um, the Outlaw Series we don't have one until June nine, tenth, and eleventh. So, yeah, that's our next one around this in this area. Nice. Um, but East Bend and. I know East Bend. Yeah, East Bend does. Don't I'm pretty sure. That, yeah, you just said that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. East Bend okay. does have a race this weekend. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's the only ones I know of. But I know East Bend will be sweet. Windy Hill is definitely going to be sweet, man. It's, especially if they've gotten any rain. That, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's going to be sweet. No, absolutely, it is. And actually, speaking of local racing and just local knowledge in general let's go ahead and get canton north carolina's own shane mcarath here on 
the line. Mika Metal strives to be the leader in product quality. Their bars are constructed of 6061 aerospace aluminum and have a unique design that allows them to retain maximum strength while still having the flex rider's desire. Mika sprockets are made from 7075 aerospace aluminum, the highest standard in the industry. Their unique tooth design maximizes wear and lets you ride longer. Make sure to go to MikaMetals.com and check out their inventory to see for, your sh see for yourself. They are bringing you our next call-in, riding for that Twisted T, Suzuki, Progressive Insurance, HEP, Motorsports, Suzuki team, Shane McArath to the podcast. Shane, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I know we've been trying to do this for a little while, so thank you. Yeah, man, not a problem. And, um, you know, you got on this HEP uh, Suzuki team late last year, and now we're here at the end of the 2023 Supercross season. Uh, what are your feelings now that the season is all said and done uh, for Supercross just as a whole? You know, it's it's a little bittersweet, honestly. Um, I, I think mainly it's because I, I really just got on the bike right before uh, the start of the season, um, whereas everybody else kind of had a, a couple months off season uh, leading into the series. And um, I really just – uh, I think we started to really find our groove and figure the bike out and just just learn with the team and um, that really all started coming together at the end and um, to to finish healthy and still wanting more I mean that, that was a big goal of mine uh, was to just finish so um, a little bittersweet that um, my my time with the HEP guys is is over with for now and um, yeah, because my deal was super cost only. So yeah, um, yeah, we we were we did uh, the best we could and um, shook hands and gave hugs at the end of the night. And it's like, man, thank you guys. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's awesome. And of course, uh, you're going to that um, that team in uh, World Supercross, Rick Rare. So uh, mm -hmm. I know that you're really excited about that. But going back to Glendale, I feel like that's when you when you started to pick up some uh, momentum and find better results uh, afterwards. And it really where I feel like the switch kind of flicked on, uh, meaning like you guys maybe found something with the bike or what do you think the reasoning was uh, around that time for yourself? Um, I think it was, I would say a couple things, um, but mainly it was just, I, I was able to start training during the week. Like we were, we were just doing so much testing uh, during the season because of minimal bike time that it's like I came in to Anaheim one with like four days on the bike. And before, before those couple days of riding, it's like, dude, I, I hadn't ridden in a month and a half. So, right. um, it was, uh, kind of like jumping in the deep end a little bit, but we knew the circumstances and, um, it was like, okay, well, we're just, we're going to, we're going to keep working and we're going to take everything we learn each weekend. And, um, really around Glendale, it was like, okay, we, we've finally, I felt like my bike was mine at that point. Like, okay, this thing is, is starting to, to, I guess, be comfortable to me. And it's like, okay, I'm, I know the bike now. Right. And, uh, yeah, it, it just, it started coming around and I got to where I was able to actually train and, uh, and build confidence during the week and work on speed and work on kind of what I'd been struggling with at the races instead of just 
trying to figure out how do we get the bike to a point where I can go fast on it. Right. And is that is that mentally challenging coming in knowing that you only have limited amount of time on the bike and pretty much you're going to learn through these races just as much, if not more, than out on the practice track? Is that kind of deflating or is that kind of just like the work ethic of, hey, I want to show that we can get it there by the end or by midway? 100% it can be. And uh, I'd probably be lying if I – I mean, there were times where I questioned if I – should have even done this deal um just because it's like dude i I don't know what i'm doing i'm just i'm struggling and um it's not anything against the team it's like dude i'm i'm trying to build my 450 career and i'm trying to learn how to race the 450 and i've I've done well in the 250 class and it's like i believe i can get there in the 450 class it's just i i'm trying to get some foundation there and i mean uh, all year it was my my wife and i were just just kept praying like god give us um give us the strength to to keep going and give us uh, give us some wisdom and honestly just to uh help us to grow and to learn and just try to keep our head down and uh it was definitely very defeating at times because it's like dude i'm i'm just out here I'm at the races, but I'm just riding right. while everybody else is racing is what it felt like. Right. And, you know, it's crazy enough just to go out there on a bike that you don't know. But um, when you got to that point, I'm sure that it felt like an accomplishment, like, kind of almost like a win for you guys with, um, you know, your seventh places and, um, you know, things like that, I would think, right? Yeah. It, it honestly, like, it's it's more of the feeling of like, dude, you know what? I, I did my job right. and I felt like I did what I committed to in my contract. And I mean, not, not to get, I guess like, um, legal or, or anything on it, but it's like, just for me, it's like, yes, the contract is there to protect us legally, but it's like, I, I read the contract and it's like, I'm going to give my best effort to do everything I can for this team. Yeah. and give them my best efforts and, and be present and um, challenge and encourage the team and hold them accountable. And, and I hope that it's it's likewise from them holding me accountable. So right. um, I, I don't I don't take those decisions lightly. Yeah. And so um, really all year the, the team was really patient with me and um, we're, we're doing everything that they could. And I mean, nobody was ever – like I was really the hardest one on myself, um, which at times hasn't been the case in years past. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I expect a lot out of myself. Right. And so the team was very encouraging and it's like, dude, it's all right. Like we're, we're going to keep working. We're going to get this better. We're going to figure it out. And yeah. um, then at the end, when things started coming together, it was like, dude, we're all winning. Yeah. Like this is, we're still working together. We haven't given up. And it's like, we're, we're almost closer because of it. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's going to help you, um, Shane, mm-hmm. just because, just because, you know, your 450 career, I think, and I believe that you'll say it's true also, hasn't gone as much as you, you have planned. And yep. I feel like you deserve one of those factory rides. You deserve one of those two year contracts or one year, right? But 
You've only shown mm-hmm. glimpses, and when those glimpses kind of came, right, the injuries came and things like that. So this year in 2023, looking back in the past two, right, like this yeah. is this is a big win for you uh, internally and, you know, physically and mentally because you were able to get through the entire series, right? It wasn't maybe as good as you wanted it to, but you did get mm-hmm. through it all the way. Yeah, and uh, just like you said, like it, it is big. Um, because even even results aside, it's like I got I got a fifth place and a sixth place at the end. I got a, I got a seventh in Salt Lake, and it's like I, I don't really care about the position. Yep. But it was like, dude, I I raced. Yep. Like that's what I'm happy about, and I finished healthy. Like it's it's a with my first two years going how they did, and really r- hardly racing. Yep. It was like, dude, I just I need to get a foundation. And it's like, yes, the the results weren't there for most of the year this year, but it, it's the experience that now looking back, it's like, dude, the results, yes, they were poor. Um, I wasn't even hardly racing out there. It was it was just kind of soaking in that experience. And then it really started to come together towards the end. But it's like, you know what? I'm I'm a better racer and I'm in a better position now because of everything that I had to struggle through. And it's easy to um, let those weigh you down and and keep you down. Like, like you mentioned a little bit ago. Um, But I'm, I'm not one to give up and I'm, uh, I'm excited to to finish strong and um, just to finish that. That was, like I said, it's a big deal to me. Absolutely. The Imperative MX Podcast, episode number 24, speaking with Shane McArath. Happy D? Yeah, man. It's, it's been a while, and, it, and uh, I'm glad to see you doing good, dude. It was those, yes, last, those, those last four wheel on the Nashville, uh, it was a bit of a mishap. But, man, you, mm-hmm. you definitely finished out the season strong. Yeah. Yeah, it just it, it felt good to, like, I mean, that's, that's kind of – what I've heard many people say is like, oh, so-and-so's out, so-and-so's out. It's like, yeah, that's that's true. Um, but for me, it's like, dude, I'm I'm still here. I'm still fighting, and um, I'm I'm doing this for me. It's like, dude, I, I want to finish. Like, even in Nashville, getting the DNF, it's like, I, honestly, it scared me more than anything, like with, when I had the bike issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, you know what, like, talked to my suspension guy when we got back like I've never seen anything like that happen to a shock um he took the shock apart right away couldn't find anything wrong he's like I don't know how or why that happened um it definitely scares me but um yeah there there was really no reason why it happened and I'm like you know what I don't care like we we've we've kept going um we've gotten to this point it was a freak thing like I rode the same shock all day, um, 15 minutes, 15 minutes into the main event, something, something happened that we don't know why or how. Um, but it, it's just a, a freak thing. So it's like, I'm not mad at anybody. Like it's a bummer. We didn't finish, but we're healthy. Let's move on. Let's get back to work. And it was just, honestly, I, I don't even really think, think about that race at all um yeah my last four were well outside of that one but it's like I just felt like 
my season was almost just starting from a racing standpoint where it's like, I'm just out here trying to figure things out for the, for the beginning of the season. But it's like, dude, we're, we're getting better. And that's, what's exciting. Yeah, man. That's, I think that's, that's good too. I mean, you know, it's, it's crazy how things work. Like, I mean, I know, like you say, you just mentioned guy. He went in and looked and, it's mm-hmm. crazy. Like you never know things happen, why they happen, mm-hmm. or how they happen. Especially that yep. ordeal. Like that was just, like you said, that was a freak accident. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people have, like, every now and then. You know, it's it's very rare. But yeah. I feel like you know, even though it happened to you, you didn't let it get to you. You still went out there and you was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm in my groove. You know, you didn't let it, mm-hmm. you know, throw you throw you out of your rhythm. And that's what I yeah. like. I liked a lot. That's why I felt like, for me personally, like, especially how stacked the 450 field was, man. It was, it, mm-hmm. it's insane. So yeah. to finish out like that is awesome. Yeah, it, it was, it was a big deal. And I know, like, some of the other guys have kind of, have kind of mentioned like they were one of a few people to do all the rounds. And it's like, honestly, outside of crashing in the main event or in the LCQ. Um, at A1, it's like, mm-hmm. I, I technically should have been in all of them. And so it's, uh, it's, I mean, that's, that's my next goal is like, you know what, I'm going to be in all the main events and it, and it sounds kind of silly, um, and small, but it's like, for me now going into my fourth year, like next year, uh, in the 450 class, it's like, well, I haven't raced all 17 main events and it's like, it, it doesn't sound much different, but it's a big deal for the series and for the points and for the overall picture of the, the learning curve. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm already goal setting for next year and it's like, I know, I know where I can be better. And, um, to start that off is to have, have an off season this year. So, Yeah. What's yeah, um, man, that's go go ahead, Heavy D. Sorry. No, no, no. You were good. You were good. I was waiting for you to come in. Uh, what? What's one of the things that you're gonna um mainly focus on without getting giving so much away? Is it more on the physical side or is it more on the technique bike side? Well, I know you don't know um, obviously think, what bike you're gonna be on. Yeah. Uh, right now, but I guess from you know outside looking in, what's one thing just throughout the races that you did do, you were all, you were there for all 17 and you made it out healthy. I mean, I call that pretty much yeah. making it through the entire season. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. What, what was it? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, so kind of going back to last year, like I didn't, I didn't talk to the HEP guys until like a couple of days into December. Like that was our first conversation. Right. And then, it was mid December before I went to California and actually got on the bike. So, um, it was like, like I said, we knew what we were getting into and we were committing to, but, um, I mean, dude, even, a, even having a month, uh, like the whole month of, of December, uh, at the end of this year to get ready and just to, just to, I guess, like get focus the grind and like just getting that. Grind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and because it's like once you start traveling to the races and stuff, like you you really have two and a half days of rest, recovery, like riding, training, 
then pack back up and, and head out to the next round. So um, there there's not a lot getting done once the racing starts. Right. And so, I mean, that's, that's honestly why it kind of took so long doing stuff during the season. Mm-hmm. But it's like when you're, when you're testing on race days and then you're only riding two days a week, yeah. it's like, dude, that it just kind of draws everything out. So um, to, to even have the whole month of December on the bike and just like, just riding um, and training and just kind of getting in that, that rhythm or that, that groove of, okay, it's time to work. Like forget about everything. Like, cause the race is, is pretty stressful anyway. Right. Just with, you've got the whole pit party. It's, it's an all day event. Yeah. And you have so many other obligations and it's like, dude, I'm, it's, it's almost sensory overload a little bit, right. but it's like, focus race try to figure the bike out like do all these things alongside all all these other things so um honestly just just bike time and and getting to train and get in the grind like you said that's that's my my biggest thing i missed uh in this past year and i think that that's going to set me a lot further forward so that even if it still takes me a couple rounds to actually get my confidence up or to, to really uh, kind of get things dialed in or get them a lot closer, right. it's still a better position. And that still sets me up better for the following year. So um, yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely a multi-year process. Um, but yeah, it, it's like, okay, how can I be better prepared just from a bike time standpoint right next year because that that was the biggest missing piece yeah and i mean i just did just thinking of just a traveling aspect i did atlanta to denver which was four races you know in a row right i'm not riding mm-hmm. but you know i'm traveling out on thursday to get to the airport to to go to these or driving some of them were pretty close um on the east coast for me mm-hmm. to drive to but yeah i mean you know, after four weekends for myself, you know, I had to take, you know, I had to take a couple of days and kind of just, you know, mentally relax because, you know, that's a lot of traveling, yeah. doing this, going to the hotel. And then you guys as riders, I mean, and I know you were riding most of those press days if they had them without the rain. Um, yeah. And so you were getting more bike time there. So really it was three days a week that you were, you know, riding with the traveling. And then uh, I don't know if you were doing yeah. some red eyes after, you know, the um, the races were done. Uh, or not, or if you were just, you know, going early in the mornings on Sundays, but it's like a four day adventure for you guys. And then on top of that, yeah. going all the way back home and, you know, going to the test track on, on Monday. And yeah, man, it's a, it's a serious grind that people really don't understand. And, and I'm glad that I was able to witness, um, quite a bit of that. And thanks to Sean and Feld and, and, um, everybody that allowed me to, uh, come, uh, to these races. And mm-hmm. man, I really got to experience what, it's like and you guys are thrown in different directions for media and and different things like that throughout the day and uh yeah the pit party right like as soon as you guys are done with second uh qualifying session they'll sometimes come and grab you guys and want you to come and do this so that's like 15 20 30 Mm -hmm. minutes out of your time right that you normally would have to relax or you know get a bite to eat or whatever the case may be so yeah i mean just being at the races is is stressful in its own and i'm not even riding you know so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, it's we gave up the red eye thing a long time ago. Um, 
I just hear you because it, dude, it takes <laughs> it takes you days to recover after you do that. Because I mean, for us, after we race, like really the only time we can do that is after an outdoor because they right. get done early enough. Yeah, but it's true. like we're so depleted and so tired, and it's like, dude, get trying to travel when you're dirty and like your our body temperatures are so hot and being on a plane and it's dude it's miserable (laughs) and so yeah i mean honestly for us like our our mains normally don't don't end until like 11 o'clock or something so or 10 10 30 or whatever so by the time we get back to the truck and debrief and clean up our stuff and then go do some media stuff and um i mean it's dude we're we're consistently like looking for food at 12 30 oh yeah just like trying to find anything um and then pack our stuff when we get back to the hotel and we're usually in bed by about 1 30 or 2 yep um and we try not to fly super early unless we have a direct flight or something um just because it's like dude we we have to rest because yeah. we we get there normally at nine nine forty five in the morning so um it's it's a long day and it's like coming back from salt lake like we had pretty good flights we and that everything there was an hour behind so our saturday night was a lot later but we we didn't fly until like 11 15 or something or supposed to and we were walking to our gate and our flight got canceled oh my god so we're like okay well whatever so we we we're trying to figure it out we went ahead and just bought another flight it was at like 4:45 in the afternoon it's like all right whatever we'll we'll do this yeah so by the time we got all our bags and they eventually rebooked our original flight but it wasn't supposed to be until monday and we barely got on the other flight at 440 because they were selling out quick and we're like oh shoot no we we got to book this so yeah um we did but then it's like we didn't get home until almost 2 a.m on on sunday night and then trying to rest and kind of clean up our stuff and then tuesday i flew up to north carolina uh to tuesday and wednesday to go do some media stuff and flew back last night and woke up this morning and i'm a a little bit sick and i'm just like dude okay my body is definitely worn out right now so it's uh it 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 takes even the travel alone like you were saying you don't realize how easy it is but how much of a toll it takes on you. It's just like mentally it, it's exhausting. Crazy. It's just mentally exhausting. Yes. Just dealing with that. Yeah. You don't want to be there, right? Like you, nobody wants to be yes. there and do that. And so after, you know, I can only imagine just, you know, me as a racer, right? Me and you have known each other for quite a long time. We've mm-hmm. raced each other quite a bit up there at Muddy Creek, and we'll get yeah. to that here in a minute. But, um, yeah, man, just, you know, if you have a bad race or something and then the next morning you got to go in and get on a flight and there's a screaming baby or if, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's really annoying beside you or something like that, like, man, it, it, it yeah, I, I can definitely yeah. notice that it can be just mentally exhausting and doing 17 and then on top of that, uh, you know, you're doing the 11 outdoors and now they want to add the two races on top of that. Um, man, that is, yeah. that is insane. And, uh, yeah. I can only I can only imagine cuz like like I said those four weekends in a row when I got back from Denver cuz I re- I flew out of Raleigh. I still live in uh Virginia. So it was a 3-hour drive uh-huh. back and I I got oh, on a flight yeah. 
in Denver at 5.45 in the morning. I got two hours of sleep pretty much in the airport before I got on my flight yeah. and then barely slept on the flight because the, you know, the seats and Ooh. stuff is not, ex- you know, not whatever. Then I had to fl- and then uh-huh. I had to drive from Raleigh all the way back three hours. And dude, after that, I was like, yeah. my body is done. <laughs> like my body is yeah. done. Um, but man, mm-hmm. speaking of, uh, North Carolina, you're there, uh, you know, born there and race there a lot. Yep. Uh, do you ever look back at some of the local racing you used to do every weekend and, uh, and miss it at all? And, uh, just speak about a little bit of the local racing uh, that you used to do, Victory Sports, D29, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, honestly, it, it's really cool. Um, just like thinking back, like honestly, kind of at the at the bigger scale, um, not a lot of people. Well, I would say people only really know about Muddy Creek now because they had the national there a couple of years. Um, but it's like that as I've kind of gotten uh, and spent time on like the West coast and down here in Florida, it's like a lot of the people that ride and race in those areas stay fairly local. Right. Where it's like when growing up, it was like for us, Muddy Creek was like the, the track. Right. And so it's just, it's cool. Like thinking back to that. And uh, it's funny. Cause like I, I have a Facebook, but I like rarely get on Facebook yeah. and I just, I was on it the other day and I'm just like scrolling down my feed and like a lot of people that I'm like friends with on there are now married. And so they, they have different names and it's like, Oh, these, these people are together now. And it, even people I went to school with, like, yeah, it's like, dude, this is like it's so cool seeing all this. Yeah. Cause it's like, I, I'm not on Instagram that much, but my Instagram has kind of been built around my, like I would say last 10 years, which is all kind of away from North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. So like the Facebook was almost pre, um, or when I was in North Carolina. So, um, it's definitely crazy to like, and even like when I think you messaged me a while back, about like Call of Duty or something. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, dude, Zach Newberry. I remember <laughs> like when when I think about Zach Newberry, I think about like Whistle, Virginia. Yep. yep and yep, pro sport. it's like yeah. Because yeah, like you was that you that went to go karts with us that one day when we got kicked out? Yeah, with Kyle. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the the dude like ran us out of there. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was right up the street next, <laughs> uh, like right next to the interstate. Holy cow! Yeah. I forgot about that. Wait, was I the <laughs> one that told like, y'all about like that? Because was... we were all like trying to figure out what to do, and I think Peyton King was there too. Maybe. Man, yeah. there was a, there was a lot of us that were there in that little group. Yeah, like, yeah, dude. We were little hellions back then, man. Anything to do with the local yeah. racetracks, man. We were. We were doing it for sure. Yeah, that's a crazy memory. Yeah, and that's hilarious. It's just, like all the all the races that we all used to go to, everybody would be there. Yep. And it's like, oh, I'll see you in in one week, or I'll see you in two weeks, and yep. It just it's it's cool looking back because that that was that was our friend group. It's like, yep. all right, we're gonna go back, we're gonna go to school, and we'll see you there next weekend. Exactly. We're going to go and do what we don't want to do on the week, on the weekdays, but Hey, on the weekends, we're going to do what we want to do, you know? 
So yeah, man, it was uh, man, it was yeah. good, it was good times, and uh, you know that's what mm-hmm. that's what we kind of do. Myself and uh, Heavy D, uh, I don't know if you know Heavy D uh, or not, but he used to run around with yeah. uh, the JGR boys quite a bit, and uh, yep. and all of that. So uh, man, we're just really just trying to grow back the uh, the scene because I feel like uh, training facilities and and these types of places have kind of taken away from really the, just the local concept of local motocross and just that time of like what you were saying friendship and uh that family that community of you know people and um and things like that and you know we just try yeah. to bring it back as much as possible and we want those you know big pro class races back and that sort of thing and it really doesn't happen much anymore um and uh man we we love that local motocross stuff and it's and it's cool that you came on because you know I'm sure that you're uh, a local legend in many people's eyes, um, you know, growing up, especially at Muddy Creek. And then, of course, you won uh, mm-hmm. on the TLD Gas Gas, or I'm sorry, the KTM team uh, there yep. in, uh, what was it, 13 or 14? Or was it no, later that than was, that? Uh, that, that? was, was way 18. later. That was yeah. 18, yeah, yeah, sorry. 18, yep. Yeah, 18. And uh, yep. I bet you that had to be just a cool feeling just to know that, um, yeah, my, I got my years way mixed up on that. But, um Oh, you're good. Dude, it's 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 crazy that you got, you know, one of was that your first win in outdoors? That or, was or my first, first win. Yeah, your yep. first overall win. Yeah. So yeah, dude, that had to be monumental. Um, in 20, 2016, I got my first outdoor podium at Muddy Creek. That's right. And then twenty eighteen I got my first win, outdoor win at Muddy Creek. Yeah. And did you so, win the same yeah. did you win that same year at Bud's too? Um, that was 2019. Okay, so it was the next year. I got yeah. you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure both of those, because you rode both of those growing up, of course, Muddy Creek, but did you ride Buds growing up quite a yeah. bit too? Okay, so. Um, uh, I did only once. Oh, okay, only once though. I got yeah. you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. No, man, that's. Well, uh, he was a myth at Muddy Creek. Dude. Yeah. yeah, you were different yeah. in Muddy Creek, man. <laughs> different. Dude, what, was, what, what was it about that track? Because uh, Matt Burkeen is like the king of Muddy Creek, and he loves it. And I am personally, I'm not a big fan of the track. I don't, I don't like the hard, slick conditions that it, you know, gets to. But what is it for you? Mm-hmm. Like, what, like, why do you like it so much? Is it the flow or what? I'm not sure, honestly. I, I think it, it's just time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I grew up going there, um, but I think kind of with the conditions, like growing up where I did in North Carolina, it's kind of more of a clay base, like slippery uh, dirt and um, also like the off cambers and the, yeah. the turning and all the hills. Like, cause the thing is like Bud's Creek is really similar. Yep. Like there's really no flat spots on the track. And, and e- even that year I won there, it wasn't, I didn't feel any different. I just felt like I was riding the track and it's super easy to override also. Yeah. Um, but like when at muddy Creek, when we were racing, like I actually kind of came from behind and I actually fell. Um, I got a third in the first moto, the second moto I started and I was probably like fifth or something. Um, but then I fell on like the second lap and in the, in the, the bowl corner, uh, right at the tower, yeah. like before the, the, the showtime. Yep. And I'm like, no, like I remember <laughs> saying no. And I got up really quick. Oh, you could see it on camera like, where you were just like, 
you could see the expression, you yeah. know, where you're like, no way. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, okay. Uh, like, and, but just, I felt like I was, I was at a local race in that second moto. It was like the, the lines that I was taking, it was like, dude, I've, I know this dirt. I know these lines. I know exactly what's going to happen. And I just kept passing one person passing one person i'm like dude this just feels so good yep man yeah it was it was awesome yeah no that was a that was a hell of a ride uh but just that day in general and just you know muddy creek and i'm sure the gammon family was of course there and they were stoked i'm sure so Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of good memories uh with yourself and uh and us at the racetrack for sure. That's a funny go kart memory. I I didn't even remember that. And now, yeah. now that you brought that up, that's hilarious. Yeah. But um, yeah. before before I let you go, World Supercross, uh, Rick Ware uh, brought you on uh, to yeah. the team again. Uh, same plan: go mm-hmm. out and win. Do these six races? Yes, sir. Uh, or seven? Uh, are they announcing another one? Um, I don't think so. Um. They they announced the schedule and they have six rounds right now. Okay. Um, we do have a big uh, gap in between rounds two and three. Yeah, it's like a two month and, gap, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So they were trying to put a couple spots in there. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was still up in the air. Right. Um, I don't know if it's up in the air now, um, but the six rounds is for sure right now okay and they're working on locking in the 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 third round um the they haven't announced where it's going to be yet but i know that they're close on getting everything lined up for that um there was just some extra legal things that they had to do something kind of like over my head but yeah um yeah it's uh so technically during supercross this year i've i've still been in contract with rick ware oh okay um okay yeah, so I signed a two-year deal with him last year I got uh, you. for World Supercross. But because um, he doesn't have a Supercross team, like we we were able to go do AMA Supercross with another team um, with any brand. So right. um, that was kind of why I was on the ATP Suzuki team was because, um, like, Rick doesn't have a Supercross team right now. So, right, right. Um, where this is why Joey have, was doing things kind of on his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So I have this year in World Supercross left on my contract, and we've already kind of started working on things for next year, um, and what that looks like, and um, trying to do AMA Supercross and World Supercross just with Rick. Um, he's he's for sure committed to World Supercross, but of course. Um, the AMA Supercross, it's it's just all about the funding right, and, and right. trying to get funding. So, yep. um, yeah, we're we're excited about it, and I uh, got the number ones on my bike. And, yeah, um, I'm uh, I'm ready to to try and defend. It's it's going to be good. We're we're working on the bikes and trying to get some more power out of them. Yeah, um, it's uh it, it's a really cool series. Like yep. it, it was a lot of fun last year, even for the two rounds. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you just, you know, with the traveling the world, right? You're you're from a very small town of Canton, North Carolina. And yeah. I know your family, and I know your, you know, your background, right? But man, holy crap! Like, dude, you're, you know, you're traveling the world racing your dirt bike. Like, 
man, unbelievable. When you, you know, 2011, 2012, when you were in the trenches down there in South Carolina at Club MX, did you, you know, mm-hmm. like, did you ever think that this was going to be, you know, possible? I'm sure it was the dream, right? But now you're kind of living in it. So I'm sure it's got to, it's got to feel yeah. pretty, pretty cool. And especially now with the media, right? You, you got the win last year. Now you got the number one mm-hmm. plate. Uh, I'm sure it's got to feel really cool going into these uh, races. Yeah. And I mean, that's what a lot of people ask me. Like, is this, is this kind of what you dreamed of when you were a kid? And it's like, honestly, like, no, because my, my dream was watching Travis Pastrana on TV and (laughs) Jeremy McGrath and Ricky Carmichael. And it's like, my dream was to, to race dirt bikes on TV. Yeah. That was it. And it was like, I never flew on a plane until, I got on the TLD Honda team and they flew me out to get on their bike the first time. That was in 2012. Yep. yep. And so it's like, okay, well now then I race monster cup. It's like, okay, I race dirt bikes on TV, but I didn't really think about that at the time. It's like, it was after a couple of years where it's like, Oh, is this what you dreamed of? It's like, you know, when I think about it, like I, I, I didn't dream of anything past being on TV. It's like that, that was the, that was almost a big deal. And now to even further travel the world, it's like, dude, this is like, who would have ever thought? Like, right. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just thankful and trying to, to just press on every day. It's like, I feel like God has me where he has me for a reason. It's like, I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. So, um, we don't, we don't know what's next, but, uh, we're yeah we're excited about it yeah no the journey's going well um in during that two-month break any thought of of outdoors or just um, chill? i don't think so okay right now um just because uh well at this point we're we're not even discussing it it's kind of full steam on world supercross and getting ready for that okay um maybe and we're just we're fresh off the Supercross season, so right. maybe once things slow down a little bit, and um, I'm gonna get just a set of outdoor suspension to just ride a little bit because yeah. here in Florida, it's gonna be hard to stay on top of Supercross with the the rain that we get during the summer. So right. um, I'm just gonna make sure I, I can at least ride yeah. during the week sometimes, um, whether that's Supercross or outdoors. So. Um, I I don't I don't think so, but uh, stranger things have happened. Yeah. So Ooh, hey, yeah. Hey, now now's the time to make plans. Hey, I mean I I, I know I know you're a full pro. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. if you ain't doing nothing, and when is it? Silver Valley Pro Shootout. October. We we hmm. hey. Hey, now you know we we you was the man back at the Hulk Heaven days too. We all remember those. Uh, I got beat. I got beat quite a few times that day. I I had some speed, but that that was a tough day. <laughs> Dude, honestly, those were like those days were awesome. Like it was so many of y'all out there, man. Yeah, it was. That was that's been one of the hardest races I've done because we did we everybody did two classes and they were all. Each class was two 20-minute motos. Yeah. And, dude, right. it was 
I just remember, like, our last moto was after the sun had, like, went behind the trees. Yeah, dude. It's like, dude, this track is beat <laughs> up, and I'm tired. <laughs> like, this is this is tough. <laughs> and I crashed, I think, in the first moto. Um, yep, the high five. Like, I, yeah, I crashed, and so it's like, dude, I'm just I'm, – I'm sore, and I'm tired, and I'm just trying to finish. Survival mode. Yeah. Man, that's, yep. that's awesome. Heavy D, anything else for uh, Shane McElrath? Oh, man, just – I mean, I, I think it would be awesome. You know, if you if World Supercross isn't going on and you ain't doing anything, and I mean, I, you probably – I mean, I don't know. If you're not under contract at the time, it would be mm-hmm. awesome to see you come out and rip that. I think that would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, Honestly, that, I, I haven't thought about that. But, yeah. I mean, during that break, I, yeah, we'll we'll have to see because – I, I would like to. We need to get you out to, to the local track. Come ride, or yeah, come ride. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that would be cool. Yeah, maybe Dude, let's, set like, up, let's set up something, to... Shane. Let's try and set up something for that. For that, huh. maybe have like a ride day or something. If if that is good with you, maybe yeah. we can try and figure out a track uh, that you're you know you're comfortable with that you want to go to, and and maybe try to try to do something because uh, we got some uh, we got some connections to some good uh, track and good track promoters mm-hmm. and owners and that sort of thing. So, if you want to come back to the yeah. local scene, let's uh, let's get it done. I'm sure the uh, listeners and the fans of uh, of you from that area would uh, really enjoy that. Yeah, Let, let's uh, let's touch base on that in a couple weeks and yep. see if we see see where we're at at that point. Awesome. Oh yeah, because you used to ride so much. Like, I don't think yeah. people realize before like. You actually went pro. I know you did when you went pro too, but like mm-hmm. when you was like grinding to get there, I yeah. know like God rest his soul. But me and Roger used to talk about dude, like Roger, you like you were mm-hmm. Roger's pride and joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I am who I am because of him. Like he he did a lot for me, and it was uh, yeah. Like I think he started doing my stuff on eighty five. And I, I think it was that way. Like, for as long as I can remember, he was doing my stuff. And it just, yeah, I, I didn't know what it was at the time. But, I mean, we just, we kept going, and then that's what it led to. So, um, yeah, I owe a lot to him. Yeah, man, I, I miss Roger, man. Roger from promotion. Yep. Like, dude, he, it's so many people, like, dude, he, he helped out. It's like. And mm-hmm. he, uh, like you, he did you, Nick Burns, um, Paul yep. Justice, like it's, it's yep. the ones he he loved y'all so much, man. And mm-hmm. like like sit around when I was working for him, he taught me a lot. Like when it comes to suspension and all mm-hmm. the stories he used to tell, even in the club days, like the stuff yeah. he used to do for him, I was like, man, like yeah, yeah, that's, that's wild. It was good. It was really good. Man, that's awesome, Shane. And uh, I appreciate you coming on to the Imperative MX podcast. And, uh, man, good luck in World Supercross and go and defend that number one plate. Heck, yeah. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to to connecting again soon. Absolutely, Shane. I appreciate it. And uh, God bless you, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Yep, yep. Later. Hey. All right. And that was... Uh, the HEP Motorsports Suzuki rider from the Supercross season, uh, progressive twisted T, of course. Uh, Shane McElrath, Heavy D, man, that was a that was a good interview with now the uh, 
Rick Ware Racing uh, team rider, Shane. So, no, it was good to good to talk with him. It's been a while. Oh, yeah, man. It was awesome. Uh, it has been a while, that's for sure. But it's awesome that he's still grinding and, uh, and getting it done and, hey, making it happen on the Zook. Absolutely, man. He's uh, he got it done for sure. I didn't mention that, and uh, just because he's on a he's on another team and another contract, you know how that could be. So, um, man, he looked really good there towards the end. I mean, he, uh, the mud race that we were in in New Jersey, he got a six. So you know he had some mud moto backgrounds from Muddy Creek for sure. No pun intended. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, no, it's re- it was really good to uh, to talk with Shane. It's been a long time. I can't believe he brought brought up the go kart story. I can't remember that. I, I I can't believe that I forgot that we uh, that we did that. Sure enough, in my hometown race, and yeah, there used to be a go kart track right down the street. And uh, yeah, we ca- we caused some serious chaos uh, up in that place for sure. And that's funny that he uh, that he remembers that heavy D. And it sounds like he uh, he remembered you uh, a little bit as well. So uh, that's cool, man. Oh yeah, man. You know he—he's still a hometown guy. You know, not at not at heart, but all around, he's still a hometown guy. You know, he knows where he came from and the grind it took to get where he is. So that's one thing he's never forgotten. You know, like like I always say, he, he's from the trenches, man. He he grinded from the trenches. Absolutely, no, uh, no doubt. Let's uh, speaking on that local racing talk and subject and uh just talking about just the uh the mechanics of the bike and things like that and trying to find the right setting and all of that we got a perfect uh next call in from partzilla team pr mx and Cade clayson's mechanic there joe krimko on the phone total control racing suspension chad newton Arena Cross team for 10-plus years. He knows his stuff over there at Total Control Racing Suspension from Luke Neese, Mike McDay, Tyler Bright, Josh Thomas, Jim Chester, and many other local legends throughout the years. Thanks to Chad for uh, for doing everything that he does to my bike and everybody else's bike out there on the track and coming on board for us in 2023. And, of course, he's keeping it really, really local uh, with Total Control. Make sure to go and check out Total Control Racing Suspension.com. Man, get your oil changed, get your seals replaced. You know, get get them tuned up. You know, be comfortable on the bike. And speaking of suspension and mechanic work on our own bikes, we have Partzilla Team PRMX mechanic for Kay Clayson here on the line, Joe Krimko. Joe, thanks for coming on to the podcast. How you doing? Yes, thank you guys for having me and not doing too bad. Good deal, good deal, man. The season is uh, is over now, and uh, how do you feel now that it's complete? And and I guess really just how was it for you? Not for Cade. We'll get to him here in a minute. <laughs> but uh, but what about you? How was the how was the series in a whole for you? Uh, Seventeen weekends seems like a long time, but me and the team owner and Katie, we were just talking about it. Seventeen weeks went by fast. Yeah, but uh. It was it was good first year that I was in the 450 class all year as a mechanic and can't really complain about that. Yeah, no no kidding, and it, and definitely there uh, towards the end, you know, in Detroit, you guys came away with that 12th, and uh, at the time, I'm sure it was a good feeling, considering K, you know Cade had some uh, injuries coming in, and uh, it was a little bit of struggle there 
uh, in the main events for the first half of the season. But um, even before uh, the injury started to take play in the uh, 450 class, he started to gain uh, some momentum towards the second half, uh, second half of the season. How was, uh, how was that and uh, seeing his uh, progression and all of that for you? Yeah, it was good. Like, we we kind of started preseason with a little bit too stiff in the setup, so we fought that. But once we got that sorted out and things turned around there at, uh, like you said, Detroit, it was pretty cool seeing, like, how little changes the right way, like, benefits drastically, like, how, how well we got the bike towards the end there. Yeah. Uh, are you guys always searching, like even on race day, for a for a better setup? Even even kind of like after uh, Detroit, like um, were you guys always just trying to find that better say, setting, or is Cod or Cade the type to just stay um, the same throughout, uh, outside of a couple, you know, clicker changes throughout the day? Uh, we stayed the same pretty much all year once we uh, got it figured out like our practice stuff was a little bit softer than the race stuff and then once uh i want to say denver we switched that just to match it and um but as far as doing changes like even after detroit Caden's super easy going once he finds something he likes he rides it and kind of adapts to it right uh, the Imperative MX podcast episode number 24, speaking with Partzilla Team PRMX mechanic for Kate Clayson this year in that 450 Supercross class. Joseph Krimko, Heavy D. Joe, Joe, Joe. So uh, I, I do want to ask you this. Since it's your first season full Supercross, would you rather do it again or go back to racing dirt bikes? Man, honestly, so last year when I did it, I was kind of on the fence. And I did the South and the Border race a couple months ago. And I'd much rather do 17 rounds as a mechanic again than go back to racing. I don't miss <laughs> racing. I miss riding. Right, right, right. So, hold on. Now, are y'all – y'all don't – do y'all do outdoors? Yeah, so the team is headed up to Canada. Oh, okay. So you're going to Canada then? Yeah, something something along those lines. Oh man. So are y'all going to do any of the outdoor nationals over here? Um, I don't think so. Uh, Josiah Natsky is kind of our big outdoor guy. He might do a couple. Once their season's over up in Canada, right, right. Oh, okay, okay. Because I know he, he he does rip outdoors. Yeah. When he we was in yeah. uh, Silver Valley, he was shredding. Mm-hmm. And Silver Valley, he was. I mean, that was like fresh off the couch. I think he rode the bike twice after an exhibition before he went down to that. Oh dang! Oh shoot! Well, hell, yeah, he'll kill it over in Canada. So, what was like for you? What was the, uh, a big highlight for you this year in Supercross? Um, I always like Daytona. Uh, it's one of my favorite ones, and we made the main there. Obviously, Detroit getting 12th and uh, what you'd call a Cade's hometown too in mine was uh, definitely pretty special. 
I think our first Alpha Q win was. Oh, really? Oh, hell. Hmm. He might come back. We might get him back. But, yeah, I mean, uh, say that again, uh, Joe. You broke up there a little bit. Oh, so, uh, yeah, Daytona, I always enjoy and making the main event at Daytona was pretty cool. And then, uh, obviously, the 12th in Detroit for mine and Cade's hometown race, since he's from Ohio, was definitely special. And uh, Oakland, we won the first LCQ there of the season for us. And uh, that was a whole different feeling and excitement in its own. Yeah. Uh, oh, heck, yeah. Speak about uh, being a mechanic a little. Like, what's what's that like? I know you said that you race, so um, you know what's what's kind of the different, and what's that life like? Do you even have really much of a personal life, or not much because of the traveling, testing at the shop, etc.? Yeah. So I mean, it's seven days a week, so much of a personal life is kind of hard to fit in. But like after the season was over, we went to Vegas for a couple of days because Cade was uh, on the pulp show there and like getting to go to Vegas and I've learned this year to take in like the travel that we get to do it, like take it in and enjoy that right. instead of looking at it as like you're traveling for work. Obviously when you get to the stadium, like it's all work, but uh, try to enjoy like some of the food in the different cities and just the different atmospheres that we get to go to. Yeah. That's what I noticed, too, just with the traveling, right, is getting out a little bit and uh, and checking out some of the sceneries and some of the food and uh, a little bit of the downtown life. You know, try to get a little bit of a traveling experience out of it instead of just all work. Um, and especially for 17 rounds, I can only imagine, right? So, um, But what what's the goal for you? Is the goal to get on a factory team uh, at some point? Uh, is that is that is that what the kind of the plan is? Yeah, that'd be the end goal. Really, is I'd like to get on one of the factory teams, but I just try putting one foot in front of the other and right. just work to be be better than I was the day before. Absolutely, and uh, I know Cade is doing the uh, the World Supercross. Uh, are you, so are you doing that with him, or or what? What are your plans moving fo moving forward other than Canada? Yeah, so I'm sticking with Cade for the summer there. Okay. And uh, Julian with Partzilla PRMX has been super helpful in that scenario with uh, giving me part-time work at the shop because Partzilla gives us our bikes, but at the end of the season, they got to go back, right? So right. they all got to go back to stock, uh, like all the practice bikes. They're still going to use a handful of the race bikes for the summer, mm -hmm. but uh, all the practice bikes need to go back to Parzilla's store. So that's kind of one of my jobs this summer. And he wants to do some things around the shop there at South of the border. So I'm going to kind of take role of that. And I can't be more thankful for him to help out with that side of it. No, that's, uh, that's awesome. No, I'm sure for you being able to uh, travel and, and do what you, uh, what you want to do, be around dirt bikes and all that is probably got to be very exciting. Yeah, it's, uh, going to be exciting. I, the farthest I've been out of the country so far has been, um, British Columbia and Canada or, uh, 
over and come back there for Canada. I haven't really left much farther than that. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, so that would be that would be really cool to be able to just get out an adventure and and see kind of the rest of the world and see the different uh, tactics that they use and uh, roads and food and and that sort of thing. That's uh, that's really cool. And I we just got done talking with Shane and uh, he's kind of doing doing you know obviously doing the same thing and. Um, that's one thing that he's looking forward to. It's just the different uh, places and different food and that sort of thing. So I can only imagine yourself and uh, Kate are going to have a, a full blast going out there. Don't get in too much trouble. Yeah, no, it should be good. Obviously, you know, there's a job to be done and work to be done yep. over there, which uh, we're excited for. Yep. No, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, Heavy D? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know Kate is like a good buddy of mine too. What what's it? I know he's probably pretty laid back. But what's it like working with and working for Kate? So when I got the opportunity to work with Kate, it was Julian was kind of I wouldn't say hesitant, but warned me in a way of Kate might be difficult to work with or Cade's going to expect this out of you or that out of you and I've yet to see this difficult side that they speak of but Cade has a high expectation of everybody and if you meet that like basically he just expects the highest that like the best out of you that you're capable of and if you do that like you're pretty good and you're uh, in the clear but if obviously people are lazy and you got to be babysat, then, you know, it's not good, which I'm the same way. Like, I don't like having to watch over other people and making sure that stuff's done. Yeah. Right, right. Go ahead, Heavy D. Yeah. No, no, I was just saying, right, I understand that. Like, I, I agree 100%. Like, you know, babysitting ain't no Yeah, and I mean, and like, like. I ain't saying I got kids, so don't take that the wrong way, you know, a gr- babysitting grown, grown adults rather. Yeah. Yeah. And like last year I had, uh, Brandon Ray as one of my riders, obviously. And like, I like to document all the laughs we do, all the notes and stuff we change. And they didn't really want to follow along with that where Kate enjoys having that. Right. Like if we get lost in a setup or we try stuff that, we want to see if it's better or even if it's worse. Like we document all of it just to, just to have it. Right. I think it, it goes to show how much we're willing to put into it. Oh, that's, uh, that's awesome. And you know, the, the, the thing that Kate does get a bad rap. Uh, I don't know if it's just because of the, uh, the pulp show and kind of the, the, the shit that he gets or, or what it is, but, um, I mean, I've seen it at the track, right? Like, he, he always wants uh, better of himself. You know, anytime I talk to him, it's like, man, you know, cheer up a little bit, dude. But it's just, yeah, it's just his demeanor. He wants to he wants to be better. He's an athlete. He's a competitor, right? So, and it's cool for both of you guys to have that same um, mentality because even though that it's not a team sport, it is uh, at that level, in my opinion. You know, you guys need to be – um, one and one with each other. Yeah, I mean it's uh, 
it's a career and a job, especially it's a job, right? Like some of the people I would say that have a lot of raw talent don't fully understand the, the work ethic side or like how lucky we are to be having dirt bikes is a, a form of an income. And, uh, like perfect example is Atlanta where, uh, we just came off injury. So we were off the bike for two weeks and I think we pulled off like halfway through the main event, but to come off injury with broken ribs and a collapsed lung, not even two full weeks prior and put it in the main event. Like it just shows how dedicated Kate is that like he understands this is a job. And if he doesn't line up and do well, then there's no, there's no income that week. So right, he's definitely got the, the hard work ethic that it takes to make this a career and job. And I can respect that a lot. Yeah. No kidding. Um, what's it, what's it like for you? What are, what are, what are some of the steps that a mechanic like yourself um, on a satellite team, uh, what are some of the steps that you're taking to uh, get yourself noticed to maybe get your foot into one of those um, factory teams and uh, start to work your way up through the ranks? If anything. Honestly, it's, it's a, it's a small industry. So it's just talking to people like, I've met so many people this year just working with Cade. Like, obviously, working with the rider of Cade's caliber helps if uh, you're doing your job properly. Yep. But just talking to people and putting faces with names goes a long ways. Like, uh, Josiah Natsky's got a, a buddy over at Troy Lee Designs Gas Gas that's from New Zealand with him. And I can't think of the guy's name right now, unfortunately, but because of him, I've got put in contact with Ollie Stone and like me and Ollie talk and once every couple rounds, but it's just all face to face. And like just having that face with the name goes a long ways in the sport. Yeah. And same way for myself, right? Seeing the journalists that I enjoy, Weege and Steve and uh, Lewis and all of those guys, right? Like I'm a fan of those guys. You know, they are the reasons that, you know, I. Uh, I wouldn't say they're the reason that I do this, but, um, you know, they're a big inspiration of, you know, how some of the things that I do or whatever the case may be, right? So um, definitely, you know, uh, having that uh, in the uh, in the background is, is good because we're, you know, we're fans of the sport. We'd love to do it, and we'd love to be here and, you know, trying to get those those people to recognize you as well and want to come up to you and ask you maybe for – um, what your thoughts are, what your opinions are, or just for a uh, conversation or a fist bump, right? Like, that's 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 cool. Um, for example, I got to talk to Raj uh, DeCoster for, I don't know, it was maybe like three minutes while we're walking through uh, the gate when we had a problem in Denver uh, trying to go through one of the gates, but they wanted us to go all the way around. Like, just things like that, right, is just mentally cool for us being fans of the sport. Yeah, it's I mean, there's a lot of people that I've always looked up to or I wouldn't say – I would say aspired to be in a way, like in my own form, but just people that you've looked up to and now you talk to on a regular basis and, like, they're just normal human beings. Like, I remember last year I was almost starstruck by a lot of the riders that we would talk to, and this year I've looked at it more as just everybody's a normal human and – they're all there for a good time. Well, in another thing that I noticed too, and I think you can 
um, testify as well is that you guys are really like the entire Supercross, um, you know, group as a whole, the teams, the riders, the faculty, or the, fa the faculty, the uh, track crew, the track builders, the flaggers, right? Like you guys all pretty much get to know each other all the way throughout the year because everybody is doing, you know, their own part and everybody's doing it for 17 rounds. So um, it's kind of almost like a um, local motocross community. Sure, there can be tensions here and there, right? But that happens even at a local level. But it's cool to see even at a professional level to see other team managers going over to either A, talk to riders or talk to other mechanics or, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Like on track walk, everybody talks with everybody, you know, fist bump here and there. How was your week? Um, things like that. I feel like in other sports, you don't, um, you don't get that, even though that I don't really watch any other sports really outside of this one. Um, but I, I feel like it's just, it's a different environment and I feel like you're only going to be able to know it unless, uh, you're kind of in it. But, um, but, Man, it's it it feels just like a like a little local motocross community uh, of everybody just because of the whole seventeen rounds. You feel the same? Yeah, it's like Cade's pretty close with Dirtworks guys and always likes to tackle them on track walk or anytime he sees Corey and Ross and the guys. And ironically, uh, Barsha is the same way. <laughs> and Cade and Barsha, they always like to like give each other crap back and forth like in the tunnel while we're wait, waiting to go out and yeah i mean i've never really knew much of barsha like personally and this year like i went to know him exactly personally but just seeing him and Cade go back and forth bickering with each other like it's kind of crazy in a way still like i mean barsha is a top factory guy and i still see myself as the kid that moved down from Michigan to, to North Carolina and started racing the outlaw series with heavy D there. Like yeah. it's crazy to see where I've went. And now there's guys like Barsha and AP that come up and talk to us every weekend. Yeah, no. And that's, uh, and that's cool. And now that I know a little bit, uh, more of your background, uh, you know, a heavy D, um, a lot more than, uh, than I know yourself. Right. But, um, Speak about uh, a little bit about your uh, background and and racing uh, for the listeners and even myself that uh, that don't know. Yeah, so I I grew up in Michigan. My family still lives up there, and uh, the Youngs family, Bailey Youngs and Jason Youngs, in 2019, okay. they gave me a place to stay down here. I was just I was tired of the the winters, you know. I I I rode snowmobiles and snowboarded and stuff, but it just got to a point where it wasn't fun. And I wanted to ride my dirt bike more. Yep. So I moved down here and they just got back into riding. I grew up with the young, oh, it'd be 15 or 16 years ago now when I met them. Okay. And, uh, so when I moved down, they just got back into riding and they're like, yeah, they're, we're going to go to the Carolina outlaw series race. And I was all for finding a race to go do. And that's kind of what kicked it off. Uh, then, or I guess it'd be the beginning of 21, I decided to chase my pro points again and uh, made a push at it and got enough points to be accepted for my license at the end of 21. But I was just so mentally 
burnt out and beat down and financially broke where like yeah and heavy knows this kid too i think you might even know him, but uh clayton saying his crash that he had at muddy creek yeah i watched it and oh, after man. that i kind of just i really thought of like is it worth going and lining up at a pro national where i know i wouldn't qualify like i'd be at best maybe somewhere in the 60s yeah, or like 55th somewhere in there like yeah being realistic like i i didn't have the talent to go that speed and i just finally had to open my eyes and see it yep so i like the sport and i wanted to stay involved in it and uh julian with the partzilla team had an opening in the fall of 21 so that's how i got my foot in and i've like i said i i don't miss racing but i miss riding here and there and this is definitely the best way of going about it yeah and same for myself i mean i my top accolades came from arena cross i actually raced cade and logan carnell back in 2011 and 13 if my memory is correct um i got the logs i do have the logs and i beat both of them by the way so i have a little bit of up on uh on both of them uh in a funny manner but um yeah, same way. I mean, I I grew up racing ever since I was seven, right? Raced 49 weekends out of the year, did arena cross, went all the way to Vegas for that, um, you know, did Loretta's twice, uh, got my pro license, and then the injuries came along. And uh, two years later, I had a really bad crash at, ba- at Baltimore arena cross and pretty much gave up the dream from there. Um, I did three pro nationals and absolutely was in the 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever it was. Uh, we didn't spend any money on a mod Suzuki 2013 uh, 250. So that thing was not going anywhere up the hills um, with 180 pounds on it. So um, just kind of realized that, man, it just wasn't for me. And like you said, just, you pretty much lose or you just don't have the talent. You just don't have that you have good at you know you can ride you can still go to the to the local races and still have fun and you know um win every now and again depending on who shows up as long as mike brown doesn't show up at another muddy creek or something like that right but yeah you just learn that you don't have the talent and so you give it up and uh you want to stay in the sport just like myself i love it too much i I know it too much um i know a lot of people in the industry it molded me into the person that i am and yeah, here to share the experience and love to be a part of it. I mean, going to Atlanta, which was my very first race, I went to Tampa um, just as a spectator, as a, as a fan, and then I got accepted into Atlanta and do the next four up until Denver, um, you know, thanks to Sean Brennan and Feld once again for that. And, uh, yeah, Atlanta was just an eye-opener just to be able to just to go by each rig, right, when nobody's there, no fans, no nothing, right, and, you know, just – talk to anybody right like when you guys go down the staging it's the same as a local motocross race right like everybody's talking shit with everybody you know everybody's you know like i'm gonna beat you you know blah 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 right like it's all it's all funny and it's just cool to see that because you only get to see so much from race day live and you know uh the tv and now that you know teams are starting to do like club like they're starting to do more of the behind the scenes type stuff and um now we're starting to really get a glimpse into the into the life of it and even for myself and yourself as a fan of the sport um it's just, it's crazy to see it's uh it's unbelievable to see and and it's cool for you knowing your background and just you and your work ethic from you know 21 when you got your foot in the door you realize like hey i could you know i could do this so 
um, it's really cool to even see where uh, where you've come and we met at Silver Valley and um, got to know each other there a little bit. So, um, man, it's really cool to uh, to see and hear your story, and I'm sure the listeners uh, think so as well. Yeah, it was like I appreciate it, and even like you said, meeting at Silver Valley there and seeing you at uh, Atlanta, it's cool seeing how far you're able to start coming with it even in the last couple rounds and i know heavy's got a newborn now and it's been crazy seeing what heavy's done since i've moved down to the carolinas going from the carolina outlaw series to working at uh next level 101 for a while i want to say even did some stuff with silver valley for a bit like it's pretty cool seeing everybody grow yeah and staying in the sport too right like we probably know a bunch of our local competitors that we used to race or, uh, you know, just a couple of years ago, right? Like they're pretty much gone from it and trying to keep the local um, scene alive. And, you know, from the Car- Carolina outlaw and um, from myself with D, D or uh, NCMX and D13 and all of these other series, right? Like they're what keep, you know, keeps the sport uh, going. It's the heartbeat of the sport. And we need those local uh, races to keep happening so people can buy bikes. So, uh, Cade gets paid paid at these races and um, you know everybody else obviously gets paid you have a job you know you have a team you know all of that good stuff so um, yeah man it's uh, it's super cool to see and uh, Heavy D is there anything else uh, for Joe here before we let him go catch his flight yeah I want to I ask him this this is what I like to ask everybody usually that you know the ones that get to see these guys like week in and week out now that you've like say you've seen them every weekend like would you agree like watching these dudes in person is a lot different than watching them on tv let's get down out of the way first oh yeah okay yeah like seeing i mean you see a lot more in person too right like there's there's a couple of the guys that get overlooked on tv and i mean you see it in person and every single person that's on the track there on saturday is a gnarly human being <laughs> it's just so doesn't get recognized on tv all the time <laughs> so with that being said i like because i've had people ask me like several times before like from back in the day this question who is in person the gnarliest dude that every time they hit the track you're just like okay this dude's freaking insane i mean tomac's a hard one to beat i think it just amplifies in person how gnarly <laughs> on a bike he is <laughs> but like I mean Sexton and Kenny they get overlooked on TV I feel sometimes because of how smooth they can be right right obviously Barsha yeah. and AP like they both can shred on any given day it, like I said it's in person it's completely different because you can obviously you're there for like free practice and qualifying one and you can kind of start to learn the days that they feel good and like the tracks that they feel good, like based off of their times and seeing it in person. And then most of the time it translates to night show. Yeah. And I have to agree with Steve 100% uh, from Pulp on his uh, media. Like you need to be there to see it. Like at least, you know, go to these races, right? Like, cause there is so much that you don't see. And when you can see it in person, like um, RJ, for example, in Denver, when 
he cra- when he almost crashed on that double going into the whoop section trying to get around Kitchen, um, the amount of speed that he had that they didn't show on TV for those next couple of laps until they finally realized that he is damn near close, like right on Kitchen once again, was unreal. Like, you just don't get to see some of the stuff like that or – some of the little mistakes, like Jet had a really big problem or a, or a issue, I'm guessing, with the elevation in Denver, and he only rode like two, three, maybe four laps um, at a good pace, um, you know, for press day, right? Like, there's just certain things like that, like you don't get to see, and um, yeah, there's so much that goes on at these races that get overlooked and rides get overlooked, especially in the back of the pack, like watching these guys come through, like Roxon's ride. In Denver, I feel like it's very, very overlooked um, because it was a depleted field. But my man went down twice and was probably down like 30 seconds or something like that. And he was within like four four or five seconds within the sexton at the end. And I feel like it gets overlooked. But how fast he was going on that track and how gnarly it was um, and the elevation, like, man, that, you know, that's good. But those are just a couple examples, right? Like there's plenty of other ones. And uh, one question I do have thinking about it um, – do you know where Barsha is everywhere around the track, even with your headset on? Um, not like not too bad because everything kind of echoes into one. Okay. But through the mechanics area, you can definitely tell where Barsha is. <laughs> and Tomac, dude, that bike is unbelievably loud in person. Like just him starting it right, and or just uh panic revving, or just revving it, dude. It's it's unreal. Sounds like a monster is underneath that bike. Yeah, they're they're the star Yamahas are on a completely different level. <laughs> it is uh, it is unbelievable. Well, uh, Joe, I appreciate uh the time tonight and uh, with y'all's busy schedule and all of that, and uh, good luck in the future. And thanks a lot for coming on to the Imperative MX podcast. Yes, thank you guys. All right, Joe, we'll talk to you later. See you later. All right. Later. Later, Joe. And that was Joe Krimko, Partzilla, Team PRMX, mechanic for Cake Clayson this year in that 450 Supercross class. Man, Heavy D, I know you know Joe, so you're stoked on where he is currently in, uh, in his life, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, dude, absolutely. It's, I know it's just crazy because he was like, he was racing, you know, and you know, when you get in the groove of racing, you're having fun, you're loving it, it, there's, like, no better feeling. And then, like, you know, I know the whole Clayton Sane accident uh, several years back. It took a toll on a lot of people, even a, a lot of his buddies, you know. And yeah. I, I wasn't there for the actual accident, but, you know, um, when they went and a bunch of his buddies and friends and all of that, a lot of kids when I was at Next Level uh, one-on-one, because uh, actually uh, – helped train Clayton a good bit too and a bunch of his buddies and man it's god dude I tell you when when he passed seeing all of his buddies and his friends like dude there's I mean that's an indescribable feeling to see all those kids lose yeah somebody at such a young age let I mean even his parents you know his brothers and sisters somebody left behind and you know, I, I see where Joe was coming from. So it was one of those ordeals. It's like, yeah, is it worth it? But he, he you know, he, he still wanted to be involved in sport. And I think it's awesome 
you know, he got his foot in the in the door at PRMX. You know, that's how it starts. If you can, I mean, you get in, you get in somewhere, and he gets the opportunity to work with somebody like Clay, uh, Kate Clayson, Kate, yep. good buddy of mine, awesome dude. And you know, if you if you get yourself a solid background with somebody like that, and get get a good word in their mouth about you, it's only up from there. You know, you're going to get more and more opportunities and a lot more opportunities are going to start coming his way because he's a solid dude, awesome, works hard, and he does what he says he's going to do. So that's a good thing about Joe, and I'm pumped for him, man. I am. Yeah, no, we had two good call-ins tonight with Shane. He had a great year. Um, You know, he was able to be healthy. That is super underrated, uh, probably topic or story out of the Supercross season because it has been rough uh, the past uh, two years for uh, Shane in this 450 Supercross class win. Without a doubt, we thought just a, just a handful of years ago he was going to win uh, a Supercross title um, in that 250 class. So um, him bouncing back, able to get healthy, and then now Joe uh, that works for Cade, got his foot in the door. You know, We got to learn a little bit about his background. So um, I love those kind of, if you want to call it feel-good stories, where somebody is starting to get their um, – you know, they're starting to gain progress. I just – I love positivity things, and uh, I, I think it's just cool that both of them and, uh, you know, both of them are going in the right direction and heading for a good path. I, I like that type of stuff. Oh, 100%. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And just to stay in the sport, right? Like, we all love the sport, and just to stay in it – um no matter what, like that was my goal. Like if my dream is to just dirt bikes 24 seven, right? Like that's the motto of imperative MX is, you know, think, live, breathe or live, think, breathe. I can't even say my own motto, but it doesn't matter. It's just all moto live, breathe, think, talk, eat, shit, sleep, motocross, like supercross. That's it. You know? And if we can get to, um, that point, then I feel like I've completed my goal. Um, and just like you were talking about, you get that one foot in the door, right? Like that's my one foot that I got in this year, but I can't just stop there, right? Like, why would you stop? You gotta, you know, you gotta keep going, right? And you heard it just from Shane and from Joe, right? Like, you gotta keep going, and uh, that involves with anybody, you know, you, Heavy D, the the listeners, the baby, uh the dogs over here, you know, anything, anything and anybody, right? Like you just got to never have that, uh, or always have that never give up, uh, type of attitude. Oh yeah. 100%. You gotta, you gotta stay grinding. Don't ever stop grinding. No, no. Um, last topic, uh, heavy D actually, actually, before we do that, uh, we ran into some, um, time differences, uh, up there. Uh, with the guest and the call-in. So let's get the ads um, going here. First one, we got to give it up to Dirt Industries Custom Graphics. For over 10 years, they've designed, manufactured, and marketed the highest quality dirt bike graphics and decals to the motocross and consumer markets. Their high-quality decals are considered by many to be the best in the industry. The awesome graphics and decals are utilized by professionals and weekend warriors alike the highly acclaimed design team is well equipped to help their customers get the look they want in a short amount of time 
the design team prides itself on creative collaboration. They not only offer superior decal, decal graphics and top-notch designs, but add an affordable price for any budget. And the percent off code is in the description of this podcast to save you money on your next graphics uh, or just really your next purchase from Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, helmet wraps, banners, license plates, and much more. Make sure to go to dirtindustriesgraphics.com. Check out the uh, discount code in the bottom or in the link of the description down below uh, to get a percentage off, save you a little bit of money, and make sure your bike looks good. Hydropower. Hydropower is formulated by a sports nutritionist to help eliminate arm pump and increase your endurance so you can ride safer and faster. Brand new Fruit Punch is out along with Blue Raz and Lemonade. Make sure to go to drinkhydropower.com to get your new flavor Fruit Punch today. The link is in the description of this podcast for 10% off your next purchase of any Hydropower products. Heavy D, tell me a little bit about Silver Valley. The only local national. Dude, tell me, the, about, tell me about the only local national. Let me tell you, the only local national is the place to be. I'm telling you, when that pro shootout, pro shootout comes up, it's the place you want to be. It doesn't disappoint. It is the gnarliest track on the East Coast, hands down. It's the only local track that's not a pro national. That should be a pro national because pro it national. is the yeah. only local national. That's right. Oh, man. FXR, from high-performance snow rider wear to motocross gear, FXR has you covered. The continuing growth of FXR means more selection for you. Jackets, jerseys, pants, gloves, snow gear, whatever you need, FXR has you covered. Also, they are into fishing. So if you like to fish on the weekends, you need a top, you need some gear, whatever it is, make sure to go to fxrracing.com. It's the best in sizing, fitting, and venting coming from Justin Starling, Garrett Marchbanks, and much more that we've had here on the podcast. And they 100% agree with my own opinion. So Go and check out fxrracing.com for the best in sizing, fitting, and venting for motocross riding gear. Find them on social media as well. Club MX team is heading hot into the uh, Pro Motocross Championship this summer. And uh, thank you for their continuing support. And, uh, man, PR Motorsports going to be there this weekend at Windy Hill, and it is going to be absolutely phenomenal. If you need anything trackside related, your spark plug goes out, you need some goggles, you need some fuel, you need some handlebars, whatever you need, they have it. They're your newest trackside support trailer at the local NCMX races and more. They were on. They are going to be on hand this weekend at Windy Hill, so make sure you riders get uh, they make sure that you guys get to the gate and continue racing each weekend. And if, like I said, if you need anything, make sure to find their trailer at the racetrack. Find them on social media. And thanks to Charlie and Justin for all their help they do to everyone at the local motocross races here in our home state. 
They will be, like I said, at Windy Hill this weekend giving you trackside support, so make sure to go and check them out. And uh, last topic, Heavy D, let's wrap up the 2023 Monster Energy AMA Supercross. Let's go through. Uh, we're going to go through the points real quick, and uh, we're going to give a little bit about uh, each rider and uh, kind of our thoughts. Uh, you down with that, Heavy D? Yeah, you know it. All right. Uh, Chase Sexton ends up being your 2023 uh, AMA Monster or Monster Energy AMA Supercross Championship. Too many Monster Energies in there. If I had to say anything uh, negative about Monster Energy AMA Monster Energy AMA Supercross, you know what I'm saying? Presented by Monster Energy, the official video game of Monster Energy AMA Monster Energy Supercross. You know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Get rid of get rid of all the monster stuff. I mean, not not literally because they're a, a, a title sponsor, but it's a lot of Monster Energy everywhere. It's a lot of monster energy. It really is. Um, man, he uh he ends up grabbing the title, like I said in the uh, evaluation podcast that we did earlier this this week. And uh, oh, also by the way, appreciate everybody for listening to those. Uh, those have actually been doing surprisingly very very well, Heavy D. So I'm a, uh, I appreciate you listeners uh, for uh, for enjoying those because uh, it gets a lot of attraction, Heavy D. What's that? The what? Well, the post-race thing yeah the post-race evaluation pods like the nashville one did really good and uh it's only been a couple days since the denver and utah uh or salt lake city one has been out and uh people have really been enjoying that one heavy d oh dude that's awesome which is good which is real good so no absolutely um yeah chase sexton ends up uh taking the title in an unbelievable fashion congrats to chase and uh team Honda HRC for grabbing uh, that win, Heavy D. Oh, dude, yeah, I'm happy for him. Super happy for him. You know, they like we said, like we said before in the, the post race. You know, they he they stayed there. They stayed within striking distance. Uh, stay within striking distance. You know, I mean, That's what I he know Tomac went down. Yeah, yeah. he he Tomac went down. He did what he needed to do, and hey. That's how it goes. That's why. That's why it's seventeen rounds. That's why it's a point system. You know, you got to stay there. It, that's how it plays out. Absolutely. Um, instead of going through actually each individual rider all the way, uh, all the way through, um, we can kind of just talk about just the series as a, as a whole. Um, it sucks really that the injuries uh, played a play or played a uh, key factor there towards the end of the. Uh, of the series we only had five winners this year which is consistent um we almost had six with ap in seattle um but it was kind of kind of the same that we would normally see with two riders um you know all the way throughout the the season kind of going head to head chase was there right so it was either eli or Ch and chase and then it became webb right so um and then, obviously, we had the bummer for Eli and uh, the insane ending that happened in Denver, uh, unfortunately, at, you know, his hometown race. Um, but, man, it was, uh, it was a good, good season all the way around. The guys were so good. Um, you know, Barsha and Kenny. Uh, Kenny, just in himself, right, like he was able to, 
finished the entire season, uh, finished fourth uh, in the series. Um, you know, Webb came back a little bit before his uh, before his injury there in, in um, Nashville. And, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, I felt like the season was really, really good, especially for the inaugural season of this Super Motocross World Championship. Yeah, it was crazy, man. You want to know what's funny, what's crazy, just to come to think of? I didn't really think about this until uh, earlier today um, when I was uh, dozing on the track. But you realize with Chase won last three, he won six in total. Yep. If he wouldn't have had those washouts, this season, he'd have won like 13 of 17 rounds. Yeah, he, he lost 35 points by him losing that front end. That's, that's insane. Right? Yeah, just, in, just insane. Um, and just a, just a series as a whole, I mean, it was, it was so good to watch. Every single weekend, we really didn't know what we were going to get. I think there for maybe one or two weekends, we you know, maybe even three. I wouldn't say more than three, but we knew about what we were going to get. Um, and then chaos just started ensuing there in uh, in Nashville um, after the week of New Jersey that they just went through. Uh, it was it was wild. It was just wild to say the least. And uh, yeah, seventeen weeks has flown by, man. It has flown by already. I can't believe we're already uh, nine days until we go to uh, Paula for round one of the Pro Motocross Championship. Oh, dude, I'm I'm stoked on it. I tell you, <coughs> Redbud. Have you seen the updates on Redbud? I think I think it's gonna work, dude. I think it's gonna it's gonna be so fast coming down after that tabletop. It is gonna be unreal. Oh, dude, it's like it's it's got me wanting to go to Redbud. I'm not lying to you. Like it looks pretty. It's gonna be fast for sure, but it looks sick. Oh, dude, sick. it's gonna sick. it's it's gonna be so good, and I can't I can't wait, man. And uh, we plan on doing some. So, uh, gonna work out the details on which ones that we are gonna be able to attend and uh, and go to. I'm gonna try and get Heavy D uh, in the gate as well uh, to do some uh, photo and video and that sort of thing. So. Uh, be on the lookout for that in the uh, in the future, and of course, Heavy D. Um, if you if you had to pick one rider um, from the 450 class um, that was a disappointment, who would it be? We're gonna oh, do. Oh boy, that's a tough. Yeah, we're gonna oh, do. We're gonna do. We're gonna do disappointment, and then we're gonna do positive. Like one rider you thought was gonna do better than um, than they were. Oh, dude, okay. I'm probably going to get flamed for this one. Go ahead. Christian Craig. Okay. Mine's Jason Anderson. What, do you want to know something? I felt like you were going to go that way. Yeah. I literally felt like you were going to go Jason Anderson. I, Dude, I, I'm kind of with Weege. I thought he was kind of the safest guy going into the, uh, into these races after the year that he had the previous year. I mean, I thought he was a title contender. I really did. I thought he was a title contender. He was going to win races. 
didn't matter who was there. I just, yeah, I really thought what was just just Craig not being uh, up there towards the front as much as you thought. No, I mean, I don't think it was so much as towards the front. It was just honestly, him riding, just just like his, just him riding. Yeah, dude, it's just. I, I understand he went to Husky, and it's it is a night and day bike from the Yamaha. Oh, absolutely, it is. It, yeah, it it is. A, it's a night and day bike. But man, it's like the reason. Because honestly, the reason I say it was a disappointment is because I felt like even in the past when he rode a 450, he did a lot better than what he did this year. Yeah. Before injury, it, it's just like I don't know if it was like. He was super uncomfortable, or I mean, like the feel. Like, I mean, I know I I, I seen an interview or something somewhere where he was like, it, it was. I don't know if it was overwhelming because of how gnarly the 450 feel was, but he said he was out there like fighting and fighting, and I think the mechanic put on the board like 13th or something. He was like, "You gotta be shitting me." I'm out here busting my ass for 13th place. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember seeing the same interview. I think I think um, Vital did it, maybe or a Swap, one or the other. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing that. But, and yeah, go ahead. But what? No, for you, why? Why Jason Anderson? Just uh, I. Realistically, he didn't look as comfortable as he was last year. Um, you know, even seeing him in person, like he's still got his his swag and his style and and everything like that, right? But the crazy thing is, is that he um he just didn't win any races. I I mean, sure, he won a triple crown. We need to we do need to count to count that the main events. I here's there's my rant. Uh, we do need to count uh triple crown stats, like as far as laps led, like. If you look at the season statistics on the AMA website, it says that Chase only led 124 laps, but that's wrong because if you count all the triple crowns, it now becomes 166, but they don't have that. So I've had to get it from MX Reference or uh, Moto Pivot on Twitter. Um, any of those guys, I've had to, you know, because uh, I put out a post and uh, they corrected me on it. So, um, yeah, they need to do that. And uh, Jason Anderson did get a win, so... Uh, I'll, I'll probably get a little black backlash on that, but I'm correcting it now. Uh, he did get a win in Arlington, I think second main event or second race, second gangbang, whatever they want to call it. Um, mm -hmm. So he did get a win, but other than that, he did not look very comfortable all the way throughout the year. I don't know if it was the, um, you know, he was anticipating a baby, so he didn't want to get hurt before the baby came um, or – you know, maybe some other internal things were going on with him and the team or or what, but I don't know. It just seemed like he just wasn't the same guy as he was last year. Oh, like, okay, my honest opinion, it's just, it's just me. I just felt like, I feel like, so in the past with Ryder with Kawasaki, like Villapoto, Stu, and Tomac, it was like, you know, I think even, okay, like with Stu, when that whole ordeal was done with and he left, it was like 
they didn't want Stu anymore. It was like, all right, you can go. And they had Villapoto. The Villapoto was there five years. What was it, five years, I think? Maybe six? Yeah. And boom. After that, retired. Tomac, same ordeal. And he was still winning when he left Kawasaki. I just feel like, I don't know what goes on over there, but it's just, I feel like they they put uh, so much of an immense amount of pressure on those dudes. Like, and, you know, Jason really ain't the one. Like, I feel like you, he, he'll get to the point where he'll be like, fuck it, excuse my friends, but yeah. he won't give a shit. Like, it yeah. don't matter. Yeah. So, that's why I feel like, to me, it wasn't really a surprise. I felt like it was going to get there because, he did so good the previous year, and it's like now it was the expectation was Ari. Now it's time to go win and get that championship, and they they put that pressure on him, and so he was like, "All right, whatever, <laughs> y'all yeah. messed up now." Yeah, I guess that kind of is Ando's mo. Uh, don't put pressure on me. I just go and do my do my thing, and it's done it for me in the past, right? So, um, yeah, I just I. I mean, my theory is right, uh, but maybe the the background isn't um, isn't fully there because no, of uh, of that. But you're you're right. I mean, I could definitely I could definitely see that as well. No, I I agree with your theory. I do like he honestly like I think it should have if if you didn't if it wasn't that whole um. What well, I forgot what I'm looking for. Shoot. Anywho, if it wasn't that whole story, well, I'm gonna say storyline behind Jason and how that works. Yeah. Then you would never look at it like that. Look at it that way. You just be like, all right, yeah, like he he's the clear choice to go out here and go win races and be in the championship fight a lot more farther than what he was. Yeah. But I mean, for me, it would. Like, I was thinking like, okay, he can clearly go win. Like, his his speed is always there. I just I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I get where you're coming from. I really do. Yeah. I just, like, for me, it was just, you know, it's just when you know that background, it's like, all right, like, it's it's kind of in- inevitable. Yeah. No, I I completely, uh, completely agree. And, yeah, uh, I just, yeah, just really thought he was going to win, uh, win at least one race. I thought he was going to win multiple races. Uh, I thought he was just going to come out and, thought he felt really good on the motorcycle and that sort of thing and even the pressure was there i didn't even think about that i was just gaining you know uh stats off of last year and just basing it pretty much off of um what i was seeing and outdoors and that sort of thing he's coming in healthy right he's one of the only ones to really just come in healthy on the same team and um maybe could get it done and and go after tomac but yeah it wasn't wasn't really uh that way and um now, who was a – I know we talked about this a little bit on the um, evaluation pod, but who do you – who else um, other than – I think you picked – who did you pick for your best 450 rider or um, surprise 450 rider? Uh, I think I picked Simonson for that one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You, that you, was you, on the poster. But – Yep. You got a new one? Thinking about it, um, a big surprise to me, Barsha. Who? 
Barsha. Oh, Barsha? Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, watching him in person, it, it looks exhausting. It just looks exhausting <laughs> watching him ride. It's unreal. It really is. And you, you just have to be there to see it. Just the, the amount of the amount that he's throwing his body around is is dude, unreal. It it amazes me. Like, even in outdoors. Let alone you know what? Scratch that supercross. I mean, it's still twenty minutes plus a lap. And supercross is constantly busy. How do you last that long? Riding the way he does. Unreal. And dude, he gets faster as the main event goes on. It's like, dude, how? Like, I'd be tired by the first turn. Dude, I just, I don't get it. I really don't, dude. It's, and it's, for me, it's shocking to say, like, he was a surprise this year. Yeah. But, I mean, I just don't get it. It's like, I, okay, I'm going to say, how do you fall off? It's like you're, you're, you're aging with these dudes like Robson and Tomac. Okay, and all of a sudden you catch your second win as you get older. How does that make sense? But just like we've been talking about all year, it, it's, it's completely switched. These older guys are better than the younger guys. Like, it's unreal. Yeah, it's, and it's it not just one. Sense. It's not just one. It's all of them. It's like – it makes me wonder, like, okay, it sounds crazy, but is the bikes, is it because the bikes are getting so much faster, it's making it easier for these older dudes to hang in there, like, they having to work it all, like, what is the deal? Is it the married life? Is it, like, like the, like, because think about it, right, when McGrath and Emig and um, Johnson and Hannah and all of these guys were winning, right? It was it was just single life. I'll worry about getting married whenever I'm whenever my career is done. You know what I'm saying? But now it's like mm-hmm. you have to have a solid foundation, and um, I mean you don't have to, right? But it seems like it's going that way. I guess that's what I'm getting to. Is it seems like you almost have to form a foundation for yourself as to be at the top. Uh, outside of talent and, you know, all of that, right? But it seems like that's the new wave and the new trend. I mean, uh, Barsha got a kid, right? Uh, Roxon had a child. Webb had a child. Tomac now is, uh, I think his wife's pregnant again, so he's about to have his third child. Um, AP, right? Like, it just seems like just a lot of the – Anderson, right? Like, a lot of these guys have just – I don't know if that's it, but that's the only thing I could think of because I I would think that the bikes are getting faster. They would get worn out faster. I really would. Yeah. But it could just be the technology with the bikes, and these guys have been in it, you know, for a long time, right? And so they probably just know the best settings and what to go to and what not to go to and the best people in the field that have been in the sport for the past 20, 30 years, you know, that have seen everything and evolve and have the logs, just like Joe was talking about that we just talked to, like having those logs in a book, being able to go back, see what worked, see what didn't work, um, what we tried here, what we tried there, you know, like having all of that matters. um, But I feel like it's more than that. It's something internal with the riders that they 
have apparently all figured out, and I don't know if it's just that age that they get to that they have just enough years of knowing what works and what doesn't work and uh, just using that. And then on top of that, having a family, having just a, a you know, a brick solid foundation uh, to where that they can go home and not have to worry about uh, racing dirt bikes for a living, you know, like, I don't know if that's just the new wave uh, or what it is. I don't know. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Like, I mean, I guess you look at it like they they get kids. It's like, all right, I I got a grind. I got I got a little mouth to feed. I got several. I got a family to feed. Yeah, it's a little bit more of you know a little bit more oomph into uh, maybe they're trying, uh, right? Like them actually not trying, right? That sounds terrible, but. Uh, maybe just a little bit more push towards towards the end of the uh, the race or whatever the case may be, right? So, um, man, that's cool. And then obviously, um, uh, anything else for the 450 class? I mean, my my surprise is uh, the Hill Brothers. I said that in an evaluation, and I still uh, believe that in my opinion. Sure, um, Simonson from North Carolina obviously has uh, been doing great, and um, and all of that. Uh, but for me, it was it was both of the uh, of the Hill brothers. Now on the 250 side, uh, congrats to both Lawrence brothers. Uh, Team HRC has had a fucking year uh, so far. Uh, so congratulations to the entire team. Uh, congratulations to both both of the Lawrence brothers. I cannot wait until this outdoor season in both 450 and 250. And um, uh. Man, who was or uh, real quick, who was a surprise for you in the uh, 250 class, either coast? 250 class, either coast. Um, ooh, that's a good one. Hmm. You know, honestly, I'm gonna. I want to say Deacon, but for me, I wasn't really. I didn't say I was that surprised. Right. For me, just because I felt like it was, I mean, it, it was happening to get there. You're right. Um, who? A big surprise for me. Honestly, I would say Chris Blow. Yeah, coming out of retirement and. Getting his first ever factory ride at the age of thirty four or whatever he is, like that's crazy. Yeah, no, nah, just because like dude, he's like he ran right there to top five, like consistently. Yeah, he was right there around that five, six, seven, eight range, like right around in there, off the couch, not knowing that bike at all, not knowing the team, right, not ever being on a factory bike to be able to do that mentally, physically, like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, mine, uh, I said it in the review pod, is Luke uh, Nice to be able to do it on his own. He got into the Pulp MX Wild Wild Card uh, LCQ Challenge race. Uh, that was really cool. If you guys have not listened to that pod from Denver, make sure to go and check it out. Uh, that was uh, that was really cool to see and witness uh, myself being in Denver. Uh, so it's cool to see. Uh, Shane, he made uh, you know the showdowns and all of that. So uh, except or out of Utah, he didn't make he didn't make Utah. I think he had another bike. Or no no no, he finished fifth. He had a 
bad start and came uh, all the way up. But regardless of the fact, Shane or um, Luke uh, had an amazing year, uh, in my opinion, and now he's off to do World Supercross with Club. Uh, so really, really stoked for him. Obviously, I've known him for a you know ever since he was born. So uh, it's really cool to see, uh, and I cannot believe that that I'm saying that. Holy shit, Heavy D, I'm getting old. Holy shit, that just hit me. Like, that literally just hit me. What, that you're 30? No, no, that I'm watching I'm watching Luke in his, you know, pro professional career, and I'm interviewing him, and, you know, yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, But, yeah, he had a, he had a great year um, for, uh, for a surprise. Uh, disappointing. Um, Heavy D, uh, who was a disappointment in the 250 class uh, overall for the series, in your opinion? Hmm. I, I can't. That's going to be a big word. Why I say that? He got hurt. Uh, um, I'll hang on. Excuse my friend. Before he got hurt, I want to say Kyle Robertson. Yeah. Um, he showed glimpses of speed, right? Um, and uh, unfortunately, those whoops got him uh, there in, I think it was Detroit. Was it Detroit, Heavy D, or Arlington? Arlington for the trip? No. I think Arlington. Was it Arlington? I think, it was, I, think I want to say it was for some reason. Yeah. You, f you thought him on Star was going to be really, really good? Oh, yeah. I honestly felt like, I mean, of course, again, again, he, uh, he was on a Husky before. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a big it, change. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, sure. it's a big change. So I can't, like, talk him too hard on that one. Yeah. Um, but I just, I mean. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Volan. Volan for me. Not making two main Oops. events. Volan. Max Volan. Maximus Volan. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, not making two main events and on Red Bull KTM. Eh, that's not good. Not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're right about that. Uh, oh, he didn't make Salt Lake. Yeah, he didn't make Salt Lake. So that's oh. two this year he didn't make. Okay, let, let me ask you this. All right. I, I, I want your opinion on this. What do you think's worse? Say you have a, a guy. <coughs> Would you rather have somebody who every now and again, I mean like, very rarely, every now and again, hits the podium, but misses the main event a couple times out of the year. Would you rather have a guy like that, or would you rather have a guy that can consistently run seventh place to top ten? Seventh, seventh. Okay, okay. I I I see where other teams come from, where they're like. I can work with speed, but I think sometimes I think the guys that are in that seventh, eighth, ninth, sixth, 
you know, whatever, like in that inside the top ten but not fifth, those guys are there. They know it. They're not getting injured. They're there consistently like a KP. Like KP is a perfect example. He is just the seven guy. He's the seventh place guy. Yeah. You go and look at his results. He's just a seventh place guy. He's always going to be there. He's going to put in the effort, and he's going to get you a seventh every single time. Work with him. Like, work with him to boost his speed up. Guess what? Next year, he'll be a top five guy. Then, if you keep him for a two-year deal, you know, let him go into the next year. He could eventually get to the point to where he gains confidence, you know, speed, technique, like other things, not just saying KP, that's what he needs to work on. I'm just using him as, a, as an example, right? But work with him. Like, I understand the speed and, like, these wins and things like that, but, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think – working with those guys that are 6th, 7th and seeing what they could do and seeing what their full potential is, like, on a good bike and a good setting and that sort of thing, like, let's work with them. But at the same time, I see it where they're like, dude, this dude can go and win or get on the podium every single time, but he just has these small little mistakes. Like, if it's not detrimental, meaning, like, an injury that takes you out for the entire you know, racing, like if they just have a front end slide out or if they just have these dumb little silly mistakes or something like that, then 100% I would I would say keep him. But if if they're like just out of the ordinary, like that should not happen, like how does this happen? Is it more of a mental thing for the rider? Like can they not handle it or something like that? Then maybe, but you have to see kind of the behind the scenes and the rider and the whole situation, I think, you know? Like what about you? Uh no, I, I agree. See, I, I'm not saying nothing against Max Bowman by any means. No, no, no. But, and this is this is not nothing towards you know any any rider in particular. You know, I just I guess what I'm getting at is so many kids, like you know, kids that come out of the amateur runs that don't really, you know, get that opportunity that I feel like that they should and. You know, if it had been, I just feel like any other key's like, they get a good ride like that. Some of them get a year, a year and a half, you know. The reason I say year and a half is because some of them come out of the they run like half outdoors or maybe a whole outdoor season. Yeah. One super season and then another outdoor season. If they don't do good, they ship them off. Right. I just, I just feel like, if that was basically like this is Bowen's what second year in? Uh, no, I think this is his third. Yeah, he's up to it's like, and he's and, and like I said, I, I'm not knocking him. Like, small means give him chances, give him some time. But I feel like you know some more these kids should get a little bit more time. You know, it's a lot of them that fall out of the industry because they only get a short just do. They don't get no time to. Get acclimated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So. Yeah. No, I I completely agree, and I mean I can see where they come from from picking these kids up that see that look like they have potential, right? But man, two years. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Maximus has very good speed outdoors, so I'm very interested to see. I saw a video that uh, Vital put out today of uh some of the riders doing some testing out at Paula 
and I will say that he was he looked very angry. He had that thing wide open, like wide open, like he wanted to blow that thing up. So I hope that he comes into this outdoor season and shows some glimpses, puts it on the box at some point, um, and can uh, kind of uh, revamp his uh, 2023 uh, year because Supercross was uh, was not it. Um, didn't really go too uh, too well. So um, I'm sure he's going to want to come back for vengeance, and um, definitely in the outdoors he can do it. So um, that will be good. And, uh, man, just the series as a whole, I'm so glad that, um, you know, that it was a good season to watch overall. Yes, there was a lot of injuries and, um, you know, all of that. But I think as a whole, it, it was – it was something that was unpredicted and uh, something to keep us on us on our toes, and that's what we want in this sport, right? Like, we want um, a little bit of chaos instead of it just being boring those last couple of uh, races, right? So um, it kept us on, us on our toes and kept us honest uh, the entire year. Um, and, and, you know, uh, great, great job to the Peacock and NBC uh, sports. Like, you know, some of the races I was watching – uh, on TV and, um, you know, most of or some of them I was uh, actually at the races, but being able to see what they've done as far as, you know, just the opening ceremonies and things around it and um, stuff like that. Because, I mean, ever since I started racing, um, you know, the following year, I started in 01 at the late fall of 01 and uh, went to my very first Supercross uh, Atlanta 2002. Um, so, you know, I've been going to Supercross races every single year, uh, at least one uh, every single year. I'm, I'm blessed to say that I was able to go to uh, five of them this year, four of them as a journalist. And um, I feel like out of all of the years that I've gone to, this one was different, but different in a good way, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, like, even the TV production uh, with the – integrated graphics that they have on it like i think that's so cool um and they how they have the rider's name and they follow them with like an arrow or you know whatever um i think that that's really cool and and good for the uh for the sport and for just the average um you know watchers and not the um not the real enthusiasts of the sport so uh as a whole uh and at the end of this uh season it's a it was a you know dream come true for me right um, and it was just awesome to, uh, to see and the amazing people that I met and, uh, all of that. I can't wait to see them next year. Uh, goal is to do all 17, uh, for next year, be in the loop for all of it. Hopefully by next year, this is a, uh, full-time job and not a part-time job. So, uh, can make this a little bit better and do all 17. Cause that's what I want to do. I want to do the grind of all 17 and, um, really be able to know what these guys go through outside of racing uh, dirt bikes at the highest intensity and the highest level uh, pretty much in the world. So uh, unbelievable to say the least. Uh, thanks again to Sean Brennan and Feld and Joe and everybody uh, that I got to uh, interview or spend time with and hang out or joke and bullshit with. Like it was uh, it was cool and something that I'll never forget. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it was really cool. Glad to be a part of the sport. Glad to uh, be doing these podcasts with you, Heavy D. Um, man, I'm just glad to see where we've, where you know, me and yourself have uh, have grown in just this short amount of time of us, uh, you know, starting up this uh, podcast. And obviously, we're here on episode number tw 24. 
about to wrap, wrap it up here. But, um, man, it's crazy to see the growth. And, man, we're only going to grow faster and uh, and continue to uh, to grow, Heavy D. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm super excited about it. And it's only going to get better. Absolutely. I know you want to get your foot in the door, and uh, I'm going to try my best uh, to, to, uh, to get you there, Heavy D, so we can both uh, kind of talk it out. And, yeah, in the future, Heavy D, uh, you know, start uh, start moving a little bit, get a little bit more on the road so we can maybe have a, you know, a studio and a podcast uh, room where me and you could both sit in there and we can talk back and forth and we don't have to deal with uh, the three-way call that we're person that we're – we're on now, you know, like we can uh, really get down into it and, uh, and um, you know, all of that. But, hey, uh, you know, we've been doing this for 24 of them now, and I feel like we're doing pretty good for uh, 24 of these. Oh, yeah, 100%. We are. Absolutely. And, uh, man, that's it for this episode of the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number 24. Big thanks to all of the companies who make this possible. West Virginia Motorsports, FXR, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, Silver Valley MX Park, Hydropower, Mika Metals, Total Control Racing Suspension, and PR Motorsports. Well, that's it for this Imperative MX podcast episode number 24. Make sure to check us out by searching Imperative MX wherever you get your podcast check us out on all of the social media accounts twitter facebook instagram tiktok and all of our social media platforms and thank you guys the listeners for tuning in to another episode from myself zach newberry and co-host heavy day we're out see y'all next week peace